0: Welcome to the Sisterhood & Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Harriet Blevins. This podcast is designed to empower, educate, and encourage women of all ages and stages of life in their walk with God. Our goal and intent is to provide you with the best content and topics relevant to your lives as Christians. We will have conversations with other leaders all along the way and discuss topics all of us want and need to hear. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy the journey with me. So today we are going to tackle a massive piece of God's storyline for planet Earth. It's, it's a big one today. It's on Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments, and Moses' is part there. Now, I will tell you, I lost count of how many times... Moses went up that mountain and came back down. I tried. Y'all, I tried. I got in it and I was counting. That's like, one, two, three, four, five, six. Now I was like, okay, it doesn't even matter. He went up and down it a lot to talk to the Lord. It was a lot. And so I could get you really bogged down in the text of this. I want to encourage you to go back today or after today to the places that we're going to talk about in the word and read the text in full so that you get the storyline fully. Because I don't even have the time this morning to actually unpack all of that to get us where we need to go today. So just stay with me, okay? Um, I kept feeling a tug away. I I was telling Michelle this morning, I I kept feeling a tug away from studying the Ten Commandments. We're not going to study the Ten Commandments today. And I felt like God said, um, which later became... Uh, from rabbinical texts, 631 actual commandments, um, I felt like God said, I want you to go a bit into a type of comparison and contrasting. So are y'all good with that today? So that's where we're going to go. We are going to talk about the Ten Commandments. I'm going to read them to you so you're going to know what they are. I'm sure most of you know what they are. But um, I feel like it's important along this kind of journey with Moses that it is important for us to stop... And remember that every time you and I go to the word and every time we pick it up and we open it and we read it, we should come away with a clearer picture of who Jesus Christ is. I don't care where you're reading in the Bible. You should not come away with more picture of how awful you are, how shameful you should be and how much judgment and condemnation you should be under. We should lift this up and see Jesus more and more clearly every time we open it. That is what we should do. And so I want us to do that today in our study of Moses, because you can really get down into it, this. And so I want us to kind of, almost like a float, that we're going to sit on top of the water, okay? And we're going to kind of float along in grace and mercy and the goodness of God, okay? Y'all ready? All right, so... um, so in Exodus 18, I'm just going to talk about, we're not going to read that right now, but you see a picture of where Moses' father-in-law, his name is Jethro, he comes to him and he, he gently corrects him. He gives him a little bit of a, mm, a little nudge, kind of like, I'm going to, I'm going to help you. You've gotten a little bit in the ditch and i'm going to help you get up back up on the path so you can get going again and we see and what was happening is moses would sit from sunup to sundown and hear all the people's grops, complaints, issues, legal matters. i mean it just went and jethro said you're going to die underneath the pressure of all this. and it has become kind of a a little bit of a picture of church government, so to speak, in different formats that one man cannot carry all of that. It's wisdom to spread that out and allow other people to help you carry the burden of the people or of ministry, of serving the people. So we see here that Moses is teachable and he does that. And immediately when he does what his authority of his father-in-law speaks to him about, immediate order comes into the situation. It comes immediately. We see that um, stability is created amongst the Israelites in the way that they're governed. In the way that they're governed. So lots of of local church government come from that whole situation. And it's really healthy to look at that. So what we're finding today and where we are in the story is we are now three months since the Israelites have left Egypt and they're wandering through, they're finding, we're finding they stay here for about a year in what is called the wilderness of Sinai. Now, I'm I'm imagining that the wilderness of Sinai is in the shadow of the mountain of of Mount Sinai, that it's there, or Horeb. Mount Horeb is another term for that. So they're just kind of camped around the base of it, if you will, in a in a, a part of the desert, and they're there for about a year. Now, the word Sinai means sin. That's what it means. Exodus 19, I'm gonna go there, I'm gonna read a few verses four through six. You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. This is God speaking. Now then, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession among all the peoples for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. And these are the words that you shall speak to the sons of Israel. So God is calling them right here you're going to be a nation, you're going to be a people that is set apart. Now remember Gina talked about that all the way back in her week. We're not to be like, you're to be called out and set apart. Okay, let's go down to verse 7. And I'm going to read, this is going to be the largest portion of text that I read to you today because y'all are great readers, right? Y'all can read all this yourself. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them these words, which the Lord had commanded them. So he is just Instituted elders as per Jethro's um, advice and counsel and all the people answered together and they said all that the Lord has spoken We will do Woo! So here they are. They're they're leaning in They're like we are all in and Moses brought back the words of the people to the Lord And the Lord said to Moses behold I shall come to you and here here we begin to see the picture It's unfolding in a thick cloud in order that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe in you forever. That's interesting, isn't it? Then Moses told the words of the people to the Lord. The Lord also said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and let them be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set bounds for your people all around saying, beware that you do not go up to the mountain or touch the border of it. Whoever touches the mountain will surely be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through, whether beast or man. He shall not live. And when the ram's horn sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there was thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud upon the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. They had a physical manifestation of trembling And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was all in smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire, and its smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace, and the whole mountain quaked violently. When the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him with thunder. And the Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain and Moses went up. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, go down, warn the people lest they break through to the Lord to gaze and many of them perish. And also let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, the people cannot come up to the Mount, to Mount Sinai For thou didst warn us, saying, Set bounds about the mountain and consecrate it. Then the Lord said to him, Go down and come up again. You and Aaron with you, but do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down to the people and told them, Wow. That is a lot that's just a lot right there. God visits them there in sin, Mount Sinai, and he tells them right here is what's getting ready to happen. Here's what this is going to look like. It sounds terrifying. I mean, I don't know about you, but that sounds terrifying to me. Like all all of it, fire, smoke, thunder, Uh, a, a ram's horn the shofar blast and it says it just it's one blast and it blasts and it just gets louder and louder and louder and louder an earthquake and they're all like this seriously have you ever seen anybody under the power of the spirit shaking god's presence came so physically that those people could not even hardly stand up to bear underneath it much less moses it's a lot. In verse 20, Moses goes up to the mountain to God and tell and God tells him, "You go warn the people of the boundaries." See, holiness has boundaries. If we're going to live a life of holiness, that means that things have to have boundaries, right? We know that. Holiness is not a free for all because of God's all, his awfulness, his his being full of awe and his awesomeness. He doesn't just have some awe, he has all the awe. So, all, all, all. I don't even know what word that would be. It's just a lot of awe. He couldn't even be approached casually. He's like, even if they want to come near me, don't let them. Don't let them break through because they'll perish because I'm so holy. Don't even let them touch this mountain. Don't even let them touch it. Don't let them do this. So, and then we see in verse 24, Aaron is now brought into the picture. So he goes up with him. Can you imagine what he is thinking? He is probably like, are you kidding me? Like the plagues weren't enough. Now here we are going up on this quaking, burning mountain with fire and smoke. It's a lot. I mean, it's a lot that's happening in the physical realm. So in Exodus 20, 1 through 17, Then God spoke all these words saying, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an idol or any likeness of what is in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not worship them or serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children on the third and fourth generations of those who hate me. But showing loving kindness to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Six days you will labor and do all your work. But on the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male or female servant or your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be prolonged in the land which the Lord your God gives you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not cover their, covet their wife, their male servant, their female servant, their ox, their donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. And all the people perceived the thunder, the lightning flashes, the sound of the trumpet, the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they they trembled and they stood at a distance. They stood at a distance. Then they said to Moses, Speak to us, and we will listen, but let not God speak to us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you, and in order that the fear of Him may remain with you, so that you may not sin. So here we see the Ten Commandments given. To Moses by God, and here they are. We're gonna. I'm gonna read through them. You shall have no other gods before Me. You will not make a carved image or any likeness thereof. You will not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath uh, day to keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, male servant, female servant, his ox, his donkey, or anything that is his neighbor's. God is saying to the people, here is what I require of you. Here it is. And it's a lot. It's a lot. Now, I want us to go over to the New Testament book of James. I love James. Tim was just talking about a couple weeks ago. James 2.10. For whoever keeps the whole law, yet stumbles in one point he has become guilty of them all. Whoever keeps the whole law and stumbles at what that means even if you and I were good enough to keep all nine, nine of them, but we messed up one of them, we would be guilty of all of them. That's rough. That's rough. And you see, the tendency is, if we have even a snag of the religious spirit in us, We want to say that one of these is worse than the other. If we're guilty of one of them, we're guilty of all of them. So the next several chapters in Exodus, from where I just read about the Ten Commandments, the next several chapters give all of these ordinances or laws that are given to the people at this time, here's what you're supposed to do. I mean, they had, some, they had ordinance for every kind of thing in the whole world. How many of your neighborhoods have a noise ordinance? I'm sure they had a noise ordinance. I'm sure of it. Um, they had a lot of stuff going on right there. And so it's very detailed. It's very descriptive if you want to go read all that. And you will learn from reading that, just like I did, that God is, was not playing. He's like, I'm not playing. I'm serious about this. And I mean, he went to great detail to cover all of this. So in Exodus 24, going forward a few chapters, verse 15 says, then Moses went up to the mountain. Here we go again. And the cloud covered the mountain and the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai and the cloud covered it for six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses from the midst of the cloud. Remember, he also called to Moses from the burning bush. Remember that? And to the eyes of the sons of Israel, the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. Interesting. Remember, there was a fire at the burning bush, but it didn't consume it. But this was different. This was like a consuming fire. Verse 18 And Moses entered the midst of the cloud as he went up to the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Now, The glory of the Lord looked like consuming fire, not just fire. It would be scary enough that there is fire, but burning up stuff, destroying destructive fire, consuming fire is a whole other level, and it was probably terrifying. And then in verse 18, we see the term 40 days and 40 nights now. That's that we're going to skip past all of the ark of the covenant situation. Uh, that 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 is a whole teaching unto itself. All the articles, uh, how it had to be set up, what it was made of, what went in it, where the placement was, where the priest was and was not, all the things. Y'all can go read all of that. It was a whole big deal. It's massively detailed. It's it's really it's really awesome to read it and to see all of that there. It's, you can see it in the next several chapters. And then in Exodus 32, so you can go over there if you so desire, in verse, well, no, you will just see, I'm not even going to read it all. My my Exodus 32 is called the golden calf. So what we see here is Moses is up on the mountain, remember 40 days, 40 nights, and the people are so impatient in waiting, y'all, to worship Let that sink in. They're so like, I want a conference. Somebody give me a worship conference. i got to go get my worship on. I mean, they are like, and so they're driving Aaron crazy. So Aaron's like, well, bring me all your stuff. We'll boil it all down, melt it all down. We'll make us a golden calf, and we're going to worship that thing. I mean, boom, commandment number two, done, over, broken, right there. Now, they just got it. They just got the Ten Commandments. They just were told, here's the deal. They're like, we need something to worship. We had not had a worship conference in a long time. It's unbelievable, really, when you begin to read it. It's, It's a lot. Not smart. Not smart. So why? Why do you think that they'd just been given the deal by God, and now they've broken it? Here's what I think. I think that when we look at, when we behold, and we study sin, that we become sin. That we sin. What we behold is what we become. And the more we look at our sin, the more sin we're aimed to do. And for them, they weren't really looking at their righteousness Because all that had been lifted up before them was the law. Here here's the law, and you're actually doomed before you can even get started. Because there's no way a person can keep all of this, right? I know. So we become what we behold, and that is kind of a big big deal. The whole point of the Ten Commandments was to show the people that they could never be good enough, be pure enough, or be holy enough. And at times I have read this and thought this is almost cruel, right? Why would you give the people a standard that they could not uphold? Why would you do that? Why put a standard up that they couldn't attain to, if you'll turn to Hebrews 10, should I should have had these marked, sorry. Hebrews 10, 1 through 4, for the law, since it has only a shadow of the good things, the law is not the good thing. It's a shadow of the good things to come and not the very form of things, it can never, by the same sacrifices year after year, which they offer continually, make perfect those who draw near. He's saying bringing the same sacrifice year after year is not gonna make you perfect. Verse two, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered because the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have a consciousness of sin. Right, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins year after year after year. Verse 4 For it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Go down to verse 9. Then he said, And this is Jesus's words Behold, I have come to do thy will. He takes away the first in order to establish the second. What is that talking about? He takes away the first commandments, the Ten Commandments, the law, in order to establish a new, a second covenant, a new covenant. Here's what it says. Verse 10, by this, by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily ministering and offering time after time the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But he, having offered one sacrifice for sin for all times, sat down at the right hand of God. Waiting from that time onward until his enemies be made a footstool At his feet for by one offering, he has perfected for all times those who are being sanctified. That's us. That's us. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws upon their heart. And upon their mind, and I will write them. He then says, and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. It's what Nicole was talking about when she opened up today. Our sins, our, our, any forgiveness we need, he plucks those out of our life. Now, where there is forgiveness of these things, there is no longer any offering for sin. He did it. He was the offering. It was perfect. One time for all time, forever done. Done, deal, awesome. That's why, that's why the law was sent to show mankind that we could never attain it on our own and we needed a savior and we have needed a savior since the garden way before Moses, a long, long time. The 10 commandments cannot save anyone They never have, and they never will. Let's go back to Exodus 32. I want to show you something here. Verse 25. It's a little rough, so just take a deep breath. Some of you might not have remembered that this was even in there. Now, when Moses saw that the people were out of control for Aaron had let him get out of control by derision among their enemies, then Moses stood in front of the gate of the camp and said, whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered to the Lord. Or to Moses. And he said to them, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, every man of you, put your sword upon your thigh, go back and forth from gate to gate in the camp, and kill every man his brother, every man his friend, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did as Moses instructed, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. How many people died? 3,000. Hmm. Now we're gonna contrast that to another day. I want you to turn to Acts two. And we're gonna move away quickly. I didn't want us to stay too long there. We're not we're not setting up a tent at Mount Sinai, y'all. We're not supposed to do that. So we're gonna move. Acts two, one through four. And when the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves and resting on each one of them. There's fire again, not up on the mountain. Where's it sitting? On top of them, on top of their heads, The fire of God. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Let's go down to verse 38. And Peter said to them, repent and let each one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise. The promise is the coming of the Holy Spirit, which we just heard. It came. It was like fire sitting on their head. The promise is for you and your children and all who are as far off as many as the Lord our God calls to himself. That's us. That's you and me. Okay, we're going to keep reading. Verse 40, and with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then those who had received his word were baptized and there were added that day 3,000 souls. How about a compare and contrast? At Mount Sinai, when the Lord came and brought the fury and the glory of his presence, 3,000 men died that day. But on the day that the promise of the Holy Spirit was released on planet Earth to the sons and daughters of God, 3,000 souls were saved that day. Mount Zion is always greater than Mount Sinai. Always, always, it is always, it is a beautiful thing. Remember this whole thing of Moses being a top cast of Jesus. And we see uh, both of these men are are even said, they even said of themselves they were prophets, Jesus and Moses. But guess what? Only one of them was the son of God. Only one of them is our precious Lord and Jesus, our king forever. Only one of them as awesome as Moses is. He's not Jesus. He's just not. Now, both of these men, Jesus and Moses, both share this little piece of the 40 days and the 40 nights. We're going to talk about that just for just a moment. Both of them had two 40-day events, and it's kind of wild when you start to kind of look at this. So, we know that Moses went up to Mount Sinai and, and Horeb, We know that he went up to speak to God twice. Other times he just went up and down, up and down. Sometimes he was listening. Sometimes he was doing other things. But to speak to God, it was two times. Our Lord Jesus also had two 40-day events. One was in the wilderness desert where the devil tested him Notice he cannot be tempted. Do you know why Jesus cannot be tempted, but he can be tested? There is nothing inside, there is a, no hook of sin inside of him to tempt. So he was tested in the wilderness. And you know what the Bible says? That he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. That is powerful. That is so powerful. Remember when Moses came off the mountain? I mean, I'm just reading it to you here, or out of God's presence. He immediately brought judgment on the people because of their sin. 3,000 of you are going to die today. Here's how this is going to go. All you sons of Levi, strap it on, go kill every one of your brothers, everyone you see from gate to gate. Just have a day of it. That's what happened. Jesus came out with the power to bless. That is a stark contrast to what we saw at Mount Sinai. The other 40-day event for Moses was when he went up again to be with God on the mountain. And then Jesus' other 40-day event was when he was resurrected on earth and he walked with the disciples while he was here on earth for 40 days and 40 nights before he descended to be seated at the right hand of the Father where he is today making intercession for you and I. That's where he sits praying for us day and night. When people say to you, Jesus is everywhere, Jesus is seated He is like, I am seated in heaven beside my father at the right hand of the father. So he is, the father's right here and Jesus is right here. The Holy Spirit has been sent to us. We just read it in Acts two. He is what's here and he's what's everywhere. He's what's guiding us. He's what's going, come over here. Don't do that. Don't, don't go there. Go here. Say that. Don't say that." that. That's the power of the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. It's very, very powerful. Oh, so it's just so good. Okay, the significance of the number 40 is, here's its, you remember we've talked about how in the Jewish culture, in the Hebrew language, every number has a meaning, every single number. Every letter in the alphabet has a meaning and a picture. And so the meaning of the number 40 is probation, trial, or testing and you know each of these events that I just read to you about the four of them two with Moses two with Jesus have an essence of that about them you can sense that around them that bit of testing and trial around all of that so we see that but we also know that because Jesus had no hook of sin in him he passed every single time he passed the test Moses, we know, was a man, an amazing leader. That's the whole reason we're doing this study. I mean, I don't mean to like be throwing Moses under the bus today, but, you know, he was a flawed man. He was like you and I, just trying to do the very best he could to hear from God, to do what God wanted him to do, but just through, he missed the mark from time to time, and God still gave him mercy and grace and his friendship. Yes, it's so good. It's so good. God was still gracious to him. Let's go back to Hebrews. And I want us to go to uh, chapter 12. And we're going to start reading. I'm going to start reading to you in verse 18. For you have not come to a mountain that may be touched and to a blazing fire and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind. Now what do you think Paul is talking about? Yeah. Mount Sinai. He's like, "Hey, bros, y'all aren't that we're not there today. That's not where we are." I mean, he's talking to Christians, and he's talking to some completed Jews. This is the book of Hebrews. He's talking to Hebrew people who have been completed messianic Jews. He said, or to the blast of the trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those begged that no further word would be spoken to them. They were so full of fear in that situation for they could not bear the command. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am full of fear and trembling "'But you have come to Mount Zion, "'the city of the living God, "'the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads of angels, "'to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn "'who are enrolled in heaven, "'and to God, the judge of all, "'and to the spirits of righteousness, "'then, I'm sorry, men, of righteous men made perfect, "'and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. To the degree that Mount Sinai was untouchable, Mount Zion is like a welcome mat. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that amazing? God is so amazing. I could not find a um, an etymology, a, a, a meaning of the word Zion, but it is a literal mountain. It's got a physical location to it. A physical—if any of you've ever been to Jerusalem, you know where Mount Zion is. Um, but it's it's representative of grace everywhere. You cannot separate Zion from the grace of God. Oh, it's so beautiful. See, when you and I became Christians, we we're not immediately isolated and put away, right? We're not shunned, we're not, you know, shamed, none none of that. We're greeted by brothers and sisters. We're told, I mean, if you're in a church like ours, you're told that when you are saved and you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that the angels are actually having a party and celebrating you. There's nothing about isolation and judgment and shame and all that condemnation. None of that exists in the kingdom. The kingdom, it's a higher place. It's a higher place. We're greeted by that. The church celebrates another life won to Jesus Christ. It's amazing. The kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. It is not about judgment and condemnation and escape from hell. It gives you escape from hell, but that's not the purpose necessarily for you and I. God is clearly present on both of these mountains. <laughs> you can see it on Mount Zion, I mean, Mount Sinai. You, I mean, clearly, they're all trembling. And I mean, you can see it. But you know what? On Mount Zion, he's no less powerful because he's welcoming. He's no less powerful because they're not trembling in fear and about to, you know, lose it, freaking out over everything. So now we see Christ Jesus seated beside the Father. on on his throne, making a way by his death, by his resurrection, for you and I to enter the city of Zion with gladness and boldness of heart. That's amazing. It's good news, good news, not with fear and trembling. Listen, fear is about punishment. And my Bible says, and your Bible says, that all, say all, all punishment was laid on the body of Jesus at the cross. I didn't say that because, you know, remember I told you a few weeks back, let's bring back the word smite. You know, where's some sulfur? We need some sulfur today. Can we just smite them? You know, that whole, that whole deal. That's not what God's heart is about. That's not who he is because all punishment was laid on Jesus. The kingdom of God isn't about punishment. It's not about fear. Love isn't about punishment. And that's what we were seeing all here in Exodus, all of this story as it plays out. um, It's a true picture of the kingdom of God. And I really want to encourage you this week, um, you know, go back and read through some of this and just, just kind of look at it and go, wow. And then go over, go over to where Paul is like, people, wake up, wake up. Because listen, the 10 commandments didn't stay 10 They went to 631 by the time they were finished. Like what? So they added 621, like that wasn't enough. So they had to add all this other stuff. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, we think, I think it's crazy, you know? And if you've ever been to to Israel and you see the Orthodox Jews and their stuff slapped all around them, I mean, they are, they're, they're, you know, they're standing on the, I'm just like, bless, be free in Jesus name. I mean, it's a lot it's a lot. It's just, it's something. It's just almost enslaving to watch them try to go through all the little rituals and keep all the little things. And Jesus is like, just come to me. Come to me, you who labor and are heavy burdened, and I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to give you rest for this weary world that you're walking through. It is beautiful. It is just something. So go back and read some of that. You know, read, especially Paul's words in the New Testament. So awesome. It's why you and I are supposed to float. We need to go. We have to go there sometimes because we got to read it and learn. We got to go, what is all this about? And you learn it and you take from it. But we live on this side of the cross. We live from freedom and victory. We live from love and grace and favor, right? That's what we do. Okay, so today, here's your question. You got 13 minutes, maybe 14 if I'm feeling generous. All right, when you, when you are trying to come alongside someone and you're trying to help them in their walk with God, do you find yourself pointing to judgment or to grace first? Which comes first for you?